The Utes and the Bruins face off in a top 20 matchup, one of the few of the week. But where can the Utes get the edge over the Bruins? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is GT Wistersill, and thank you for making Lockdown Newts your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Excited to be joined to talk about this Utah and UCLA matchup by KSL.com's Josh Furlong, also an AP Top 25 voter. And Josh, this is a fun one for Utah. I think this is a UCLA team that they've really beat up on in the past. They're coming in high once again, but the difference is they don't have to come to Rice Eccles, which I think they're excited to do. I believe the last two times they've played them they've had to go out to rice eccles so this is going to be a fun one for the youth it's a tough challenge going in but just what are your thoughts on this matchup yeah i think this is a really fun matchup to be able to see two top 25 teams that uh you know right now ucla is kind of i wouldn't necessarily call them the darling but they're the ones that people are really intrigued about right they're five and oh they just had a really dominant win over washington um, which everybody was kind of thinking is a, a really big you know good team after their their win over michigan state and so I think, you know, you're getting a great opportunity for two Pac-12 teams to really just kind of own the, the afternoon market and being able to be on primetime and, and, and get people to, to watch. And so I think it's, it's one of those games where, you know, we're really going to see how well these teams are, right? Is Utah, you know, as, as good as everybody expected them when they were ranked number seven in the beginning of the season? Or is UCLA the disruptor and they're the ones that's going to be maybe a conference favorite? So so to me, this there's there's a lot of storylines to come from this, and I'm excited, you know, just to be able to see it. Utah's had traditionally a lot of good success in in the Rose Bowl, um, playing UCLA. Uh, I can't. I'm trying to remember the last time that UCLA has beat uh, Utah. You know, I, I haven't really done my deep dive yet. Um, but I think it's 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 interesting to be able to be in that environment where they were just there in January. Obviously, different circumstances, right? Like this is going to be totally different. Um, but it's a it's a great atmosphere. It's a great opportunity for Utah to really show, okay, maybe they are who they, they say they are. Yeah, you beat Oregon State and you beat them pretty handedly. But now that you're going against an undefeated team who a lot of people love, especially with a mobile quarterback like DTR, you know, what's that going to do for you? So I, I, I'm excited to see how it plays out and, and kind of see the optics of what happens. Yeah, it is going to be a fun one. And look, as you mentioned, the last time they were there, Utah obviously lost playing in the Rose Bowl. And I think one of the guys who's in for a big game is going to remember that is going to be, I think, on this offense. I think Cam Rising is going to have a good game because, look, this UCLA secondary, I don't think they're as potent. Or even this defense in general, I don't think they're as strong as the Beavers defense. So I do think they're going to give up yards. They've surrendered, They've allowed 20.8 points on the year. And when you look, like, you're like, that's not bad but then you look at the teams they've played and it's like that that's kind of high for playing the Colorados and the Southern Alabamas and some of these other ones and yeah I know you played Washington like I understand Michael Penix they're going to put up some points but even the ones outside of that this is a team that's allowed allowing 237 passing yards look they only allowed 80 rushing yards but you saw two guys from Washington average four yards per carry in that one as well so it's a defense that can really be had in a multitude of ways and I I think Cam's gonna have a big game in this one but honestly I think the entire offense is gonna do well because I think this is the game where really 
really going to see the offensive line, the running game get going. Coach Witt specifically called out the offensive line in his post-game press conference, which usually you don't see that happening until he's had the chance to watch the film. But even just from just watching the game, I think on the Jumbotron, when he looks up, he can see the issues getting to the second level, saying that group's going to come out fired up and ready. And I really think Tavion Thomas is going to come on strong in this one, have a big game, as he did last year versus the Bruins as well. Yeah, I think this is a game where Utah really has a chance to kind of uh, open up the offense, especially in the passing game, right? Like you mentioned, like the passing game has been UCLA's biggest weakness on defense. They That doesn't say that, you know, Utah's going to not struggle on Saturday and there's not going to be in- instances where uh, the Bruins cause them fits. But but I think this is an opportunity where Utah can really kind of show what they can do on offense. Now, with that being said, yes, like it's hard to be able to look at the Bruins' schedule and say, oh, well, they've played dog schedule, you know, whatever. And and to a large degree, they have, right? Like you have a win over Colorado as your one big power five win. Uh, you get your win over Washington, which is your best win, obviously, but it's one game um, and it was at home. And so it's it's one of those environments where it's it's hard to look at the stats and say, like, who are they, right? Like, I think it's more indicative of of that passing defense where they're giving up a lot of stuff that 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 changes my view on it the fact that they're giving up that much against teams that probably are considered well are considered lower uh, quality teams says that there's going to be opportunities there right and i think that bodes well for for like you mentioned cam rising in the sense that you know he, he he's he's been kind of forced to take away his primary target the guy that he's always focused in on on brant keithy mm-hmm. and now he's he's kind of being forced to spread the ball around right for good or bad right like i mean you can argue that you know, Brent Keithy, losing him is a good thing for Utah in some respects. And obviously it's a bad thing because he was such a high, um, uh, just a highly potent uh, weapon on Utah. But I think this gives Cam an opportunity to really just showcase what he can do. He can go through his progressions. He can go do what he needs to do. And then if you mix in the run game, if, if Tavion Thomas is able to be in there, like, you know, Kyle, I think mentioned on Monday that he, he believes that he's making the progress to be able to be on the field more that bodes well, right? I mean, we've seen some really phenomenal performances in the run game for Utah in the Rose Bowl, and Tavion Thomas very much so can have that, right? Like, it's an opportunity for Utah to really um, give themselves an opportunity to say, okay, look, our run our run offense wasn't great on Saturday against Oregon State, and, and Oregon State's defense is really good that way. But now it's an opportunity to say, look, we're, we're not that team, right? We, we're going to push them around on the offensive line, we're going to establish the tone. We're going to do what we need to and, and really kind of own it up that way. So I think there are definitely opportunities here. Um, that's what I'm most looking forward to see, right? Like, is Utah really going to take that step? Or is this one of those things where the run game and the run defense and everything else really is a concern? So uh, to me, I think that is the big storyline of what, what Utah is able to do. I felt like this Utah team really clicked and had their biggest game of the season last year or early on when they went out to California, they just took on USC that time. So it's another, it's an opportunity here to do so again. And there's been things with the offense. Look, I mean, the offense just put up 42 points, but a lot of those set up by turnovers on defense. There was the struggles rushing the ball, as we talked about. There were times in the first half, I believe Cam's even his first pass of the uh, last pass of the first half was just going to check it down to Makai and just completely misses them to the outside. So just multiple phases where it still feels like this offense is coming together and dropping the ball in a lot of ways. And after this one, do you, I feel like it's going to be the case where we are talking about everything finally came together for the Utes offense and it clicked. Do you think that's going to be the case? Or do you think we're still going to see a lot of those issues, whether it is the offensive line struggling to get to the second level receivers lacking separation and Cam missing a couple throws? Do you think that'll still be the story? Um, I mean, I think, I think it's probably going to be more that the offense is taking, you know, they're progressing, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, 
I, I think you saw that in the Oregon State game. I mean, you could easily come away from that game saying like, oh, the offense didn't look great. There's a lot of problems, but you're facing a defense that is really good. They're very similar. Oregon State is very similar to Utah and how they're kind of structured. And it, it's like beating yourself. And so the fact that the offense could do that, obviously with different talent on the other side of the ball, but the fact that they could do that in a way where Cam Rising was fairly accurate. I mean, he was 70 plus mm-hmm. uh, accuracy and, and and he was able to to get it to eight different receivers. I mean, that bodes well. The fact that he was also able to run and he was the leading rusher that day that, you know, obviously you don't want to see him be your leading rusher, but at the same time, I think you're seeing the progress there. So going into UCLA, I think this is where they keep taking those steps, right? I think they continue to be able to move forward. Um, barring, you know, UCLA's defense just coming lights out, I think this is another opportunity for Utah to really say, you know, here's who we are, here's who we can be. You know, for me, I want to see, you know, I, I, I have a hard time criticizing offensive coordinators or coaches in general to some yeah. extent, right? But I think there was some level of uh, vanilla play calling against Oregon State where you knew exactly what Utah was going to do. First two downs were going to be a run play. They were going to get stuffed. You know, they might get three, four, five yards if they were lucky. And then they go to a deep passing play on third and long. And, and that kind of got repetitive and it worked in some respects. And Utah was able to, to kind of work around that. But I think, you know, for a game against UCLA where it's going, if you really want to take that stride and, and, and progress, I think you have to be a little bit more um, dynamic and you've got to be able to mix it up. What I'd love to see is them come out fast like they did against mm-hmm. um, Arizona State, right? Yeah. Just move the ball downfield do all kinds of things where you're mixing it up, where you're getting a good run game, where you're getting a good passing game and really just keep UCLA on their toes. I don't think UCLA is good enough in one area on defense that you feel like you have to just focus on that. Right. Like I think you can do a lot in multiple ways. So to me that, you know, I don't get paid to be an offensive coordinator, nor do I understand the full semantics of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think to me, I would love to be able to see that for a Utah team that I think could really just set the tone early in, in how they're able to do it with a, a faster top or faster pace and, and really just a diverse offense. Yeah. I mean, and I think the, the criticisms that, that some have been leveled at coach Ludwig are, are fair in some respects because this offense hasn't been clicking. And there's things like, look, they roll. I've been someone, I've been a huge champion of wanting to see the Jaquindon Jackson package. I don't know necessarily. I would, that's more something I wanted to see in like a first and 10 situation, not really a crucial third and five. And just feel bad that that way it shook out there. Cause it feels like we're probably not going to see that package again this season. And it looked like it was going to be something fun too. Cause if you watch Cam is, I think he was going to throw it to Cam. I think Cam was actually kind of backpedaling a little bit. I think it was going to go to Cam and then they were going to go downfield across to someone else, or maybe they're just throwing it right back to Jaquindon on the other side. But either way, it was going to be really fun, but yeah, it doesn't seem like it's something we're going to see again. So it'd be fun to see if this Utah offense um, can come together, but uh, this Utah offense, this Utah defense has been outstanding. We're going to talk about the success they're going to have versus the Bruins potentially in a moment, but first want to talk to you guys about Nissan. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Lockdown College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Utes weekend or just throughout their history all modern. And this week's thrilling moment for the Utes, for me, look, there's a number of great moments. Josh, I'd love to hear what yours is as well but for me I got to go with Cam's run into the end zone just being able to break not one but two tackles it's amazing in this game we had two guys basically muscle their way into the end zone Devon had an incredible one as well where he stretched the ball over but for me just I thought that run from Cam was absolutely electric and just showed off what makes him such an effective runner and like DTR is a runner in this game as well but it's such a different style because Cam is just able to run guys over and kind of carry him with them and he's even like I mean look back to the Pac-12 championship game he's throwing around stiff arms out there too but as it pertains to this game my thrilling moment nominee has to be Cam's touchdown run. What would yours be? 
Might not have to be the three interceptions from Clark Phillips. Yes. Honestly, he was everywhere all over the field. His pick six was great. There was even one play where uh, Chance Nolan was trying to throw it away and Clark Phillips was running the full length of the field to try to get another one. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for me, that was kind of the thrilling moment of, of just being able to see a guy that, you know, you, you shouldn't throw to. And if you do, he's going to make you pay. Yeah, he really does seem to make you pay every single time. So huge shout out to Clark Phillips for an outstanding afternoon. Definitely the performance of the game for the Utes and one of the best we've seen from a defender in Utah history. This segment has been inspired by thrilling new designs featured across Nissan. New line lineup of vehicles pursues what thrills you in all new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. And thank you again to Nissan for sponsoring our show. We do greatly appreciate it. And now, Josh, looking over to the defensive side of the ball, this is a Utah defense that, look, Clark, we just talked about Clark. I mean, what an outstanding game performance by him. He was absolutely incredible in this one. Um, we saw the second drive of the game. The Beavers were able to drive all the way down, then score on the reverse. But after that, it was tough sledding. They were 0 for 5 inside the red zone. Utah's defense was outstanding. Had a two interceptions in that area as well as a couple other key stands just the defense was like that now you're coming into a ucla offense that's riding hot one of the best quarterback running back tandems in the pac-12 i mean when you talk about it you think about cam rising of course and tavion thomas and then you think of dtr and zach charbonnet i mean then there's like look caleb williams dies as well another one right up the top but this is a matchup between some really good offensive talent in this one and i think Looking at it for the Utes, I'm excited to see how this Utah defense can slow down UCLA. For me, it still starts with stopping the run. I am most concerned with Charbonnet as well as DTR's ability to get it done on the ground, even though I do feel like DTR is coach winning him highlighted. He's made strides as a passer too, and I feel like he's still effective there, but I trust this Utah secondary, even though they did get beat a couple times against Oregon State and then Nolan, and as well as the rest of their quarterbacks, weren't able to capitalize on it. I still think it starts with packing the box and letting a guy like Cole Bishop continue to play close to the line of scrimmage and just feast as he has done all year. Yeah, I mean, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to be able to to go into this with the mindset that you have to stop the run. I mean, you've got two guys. I mean, we all saw what DTR did with the, you know, he's hurdling guys. Beautiful hurdle. I mean, it's like oh, perfect form. One of the best but I've ever seen, honestly. For me. Oh, yeah, yeah honestly. You like get it, that it, high up, that's incredible. <laughs> and to be able to have the form that he had. I mean, like, yes. he, you know, he's going to put you on, on it, it, that's the equivalent of posterizing a guy, right, yes. in, in basketball. So <laughs> I, I think it's it's one of those things where, they have to really own in on that, but in a way that they don't over pursue. I think they mm-hmm. saw with Anthony Richardson in Florida that they needed to do what they needed to, to be able to stop him. But in a lot of ways they over pursued and they over tried to be able to kind of do it. And so they got out of spots and they weren't, you know, in a position to really make the tackle. Now in, in this scenario, this is where Morgan Scally makes his money, right? If you can yes. stop DTR and make him look like an average quarterback, or at least one that is not as dynamic as he was in Washington, that's where you're going to make your money, right? You've got to be able to stop him. And sure, you're going to have to stop Chabernet and you're going to have to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't even necessarily want to call that ancillary to it, right? Like I think mm-hmm. Chabernet is one of those guys you really have to focus on. But I think DTR is the guy that you have to focus on, right? Maybe put the Cole Bishop as a spy or do something like that. Maybe you put Lander in there and he can be your spy or something that way. You, you have to find a way to negate him and make him be a passer. And if he beats you in the passing game, so be it, right? Like, obviously, that can be some big chunk plays, and that can be really disastrous as well. But I think you have to, at least early on, force him to pass and do it at a high level. And and that's not to say, like, DTR can't do that. I think, he like, like Coach Whittingham said, he has made some strides, and he has improved as a passer. But you have to make him do that, right? It's the same thing that they needed to do with Anthony Richardson. If you make him a passer, you put some pressure on him, close that pocket a little bit, 
it's going to be much harder and he has to think. And then you've got, he'd worry about guys like to Travis Broughton or, you know, Clark Phillips, the third or Zamiya Vons. And then behind that, you've even got RJ Hubert. Who's had a couple picks this year. Um, you, you, you know, you've, you've got a great secondary that's going to do that. Now you have to find a way to be able to really own that run. You know, you can, you can look at last week and say, Oh, they, they gashed Utah. And to, to some extent they did, right. They moved the ball downfield really well, but Utah locked in in the red zone. And I think, you that's going to kind of have to be this game as well, right? Like you're never going to beat, you know, Charbonnet or DTR the entire time, but you have to find ways to, to do it when it matters. When they get to the red zone or close to the red zone, you have to find a way to kind of clamp down, settle for field goals if you have to, obviously put some pressure on him, but do it in a way that allows, you know, your, your defense to stay on the field in a way that's competitive and, and not give up points. So uh, I think that's kind of the focus. It will be the run and it kind of have to be. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be stopping the run as well. And I, I'll say with that, this Utah team stopping the run as well, I, the secondary has been so strong this year. I think this is the game where we do see UCLA have some success through the air. I, I think, look, Utah's been holding teams to 155 passing yards. In this era of play, I just don't think that's feasible for the rest of the season, especially considering some of the quarterbacks they played. I mean, some of the teams, like, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but San Diego State, um, looking ahead to some of the other ones. I just feel like UCLA, I think this is one where DTR will have success through the air. I think they're going to move the ball and score points on the Utes a little bit. And they're not going to have the same. Look, oh, you're not forcing teams to go for five in the red zone. They're going to score a little bit, but I, I feel like that's okay because we've already talked about it i think this utah offense is going to be very successful so i think they're going to be able to keep up the advantage most of the game but i do see think this is a ucla team that is going to have some success and i think they're going to be able to score i think they'll have a really good chance to score 20 points in this one honestly just because it is hard to stop so many different things and i feel like this is a good dtr utah's pass rush also is not quite what we were kind of hoping for this year and it's tough when you have so many young guys i think i'm one of the ones who were, was kind of putting expectations on this group that were a little lofty in it so i do expect this bruins team to be able to move the ball and it's going to be interesting to see if the anyone on the defensive line as well can track down dtr or he might be doing a kyler murray impression out there just running around versus in years past i still remember the 2019 game i believe it was uh where utah ended up sacking him for like a 10 yard loss and he fumbled it as well and then i think it was uh mika tafuna ended up uh running it back for the score as well so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this team is just able to track down DTRs because like we know he's very electric i mean he two dudes flying to each other like they're like he's lamar jackson stopping on the dime right before he crossed yeah and i and i think honestly like dtr is going to be the most complete quarterback that utah has seen this year for sure um i think he you know he's got the veteran uh, opportunities he's got a great you know coach in, in chip kelly who, who understands who he is and stuck with him has really helped him to try to hone in on what he does um but i but i think you're you're also seeing you know on the defensive side for utah they're, they're kind of switching some things up as well they're putting some five down linemen at times they're trying to mix it up that way they're trying to get you know three edge rushers in there especially two on the right or on the opposite side of uh, van fillinger they're they're trying to do different things to create some speed but also to kind of crash the pocket so to me i'm kind of curious to see what that does right is is that the approach are they trying to do that does one of those edge rushers stay you know true to what an edge rusher does and collapses tries to attack whereas the other one rolls out a little bit and maybe tries to spy him not necessarily a traditional spy right i think that that's a little different but maybe um, give some integrity to the edge play and doesn't allow DTR to roll out, at least in a way that's going to gash um, Utah. So I think, you know, I, I think you're starting to see different things from Utah in how they're able to control it. That the benefit is, is they have faced a bunch of mobile quarterbacks this year, right? And that's not to say that Utah is perfect, obviously. You know, Florida Florida being the, the, the true test of, of what uh, a mobile quarterback can do. 
but they did well with Emory Jones. And he's, you know, he's not going to be dialing it up the same as, as everybody else because of just the depth that they had at Arizona State. But you saw them have success there where they they figured out how to kind of contain him in a way. They collapsed the pocket really well. They were able to get some sacks. They had five sacks that game. You know, I think this is an, a scenario where Utah's going to try to be a little creative. And, and what we've seen in the past may not be what they are coming into this Saturday. I think they've been testing out a lot of different things, trying to figure it out. So um, I, I'm curious to see, once again, like, you know, I feel like we keep coming back to this, but I, I feel like this game more than anything is the truest test to what Utah can be, right? Obviously, you know, you could say you're looking ahead to USC. I don't think Utah's doing that by any means. Um, USC is going to be a different battle in a different way, but I think they have the full attention of UCLA this year, right? They they understand that this game matters just as much, if not more than probably next week. You know, you, you have the potential for maybe college game day to come next week. You have a lot of opportunities where you can kind of put your, your foot on, you know, on their throats in some ways in terms of how the hierarchy of the, the Pac-12 conference is going to lay out. And so I think these things matter. Like these games mean much more, especially when you are going up against an undefeated team. So I think it'll be fun. So true. It is going to be a fun one. We can't wait for it to get underway. And we're going to talk about the line of that game and as well as a bunch of the other ones in our big game bet segment coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about who the big game bet segment is brought by a little bit more about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And BetOnline, guys, Tons of great football action going on Saturdays and Sundays, of course. So make sure you guys head over to Bet Online, get in on all of that. If you got an inkling about a game, head over to Bet Online, see if you can cash in on it. Also, NBA season is just about getting a little closer, and MLB playoffs about to start ramping up. Even MMA, boxing, and golf. Bet Online has you covered on all of your favorite sports. So make sure you guys head over to Bet Online and get in on the action. Use your mobile device to learn more about BetOnline.net. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, I want to tell you guys about Intercap Lending. There's a reason no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. Intercap gets deals done. Quick and simple process. Intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And though fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. And that is what Locked On's personal loan officer, Steve Carter, has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including Locked On's founder, David Locke. And let's be honest, if Steve can help keep David on track through the entire process, Steve can help anyone. And though Intercap is new to the Lockdown Utes podcast, Intercap has been assisting customers with their mortgage needs since 1978. That's 43 years of experience. And Steve Carter has been providing Locked On listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385-800-8528. NMLS number is 190465. So head over to www.intercaplending.com or just give Steve a call at 385-800-8528. That's Intercap Lending once again for you guys. So Josh, it's a fun slate this week of college football once again. I don't think they're, it's the greatest of games, or the greatest Saturday we've seen yet, but there's still a lot of fun ones that intrigue me as well. And um, I think the first one I want to start out with here as we do our big game bet, best big game bets brought to you by Bet Online. We appreciate Bet Online for being one of our main sponsors on the college football channel here. I want to start with the Tennessee LSU game. Tennessee minus three and a half there. I got to be honest. I know this is weird, but because Tennessee's looked much better than LSU this year, but it just feels like every year Tennessee ends up dropping a game. And I just feel like this LSU team with Brian Kelly. And I'm not a big Brian Kelly fan at, at all, but I still feel like it's a talented team. I think Jane Daniels has still been doing a lot of good things there as well. And 
I feel like they're going to upset the Vols, and I, I feel like the Vols are a better team. I just feel like this is just one of those days where things aren't going to go right, and I'm not really going to believe Tennessee's back in terms of what, like, being a national powerhouse or doing all those things and until they prove to me they can beat these games and beat the inferior opponents, and this is one where I, I actually do like I, I'm like I've said, I, I really like LSU in this one. And I, I, I think they're just going to win straight up. So I'll definitely take the three points. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from with LSU. And I think that's a, that is uh, a pick that absolutely could happen for me. I see Tennessee is, is actually taking this uh, to, for me. Hendon Hooker is playing phenomenal football. Uh, he's one of those guys that changes the dynamic of who Tennessee can mm-hmm. be. Um, he, he's been a great option for for Tennessee and, and and just kind of the the growth that they've had, the progression that they've been able to have. Um, I've I've seen I, I've been really impressed with what I've been able to see from him and being able to mm-hmm. lead that team. You know, they're going to be in locked battles, right? Like LSU is going to be a tough team, and it's not going to be an easy feat by any means. But I, I like what he's able to do and, and kind of stays composed and, and gets in there. So for me, like, yeah, the line is three. For To be honest, I think I'd be safe to at least six, um, mm-hmm. keeping that line. So I, I like what Tennessee's doing. Right now I'm believing in them. Now that, you know, they'll probably prove me wrong and LSU, LSU will go beat them because Brian Kelly is is pretty good at that coaching stuff. Um, but for me, I see Tennessee as kind of being the real deal right now and, and, and getting a win there. Yeah, so Josh, take Tennessee to cover. I'll take LSU and I will never be mad to see Brian Kelly lose. I'll say that as well. So if you're right, I will not be mad at all. Moving on to game day, going down to Kansas this week. Josh, I got to ask you, how early were you? Did you, how early were you to buy into the Kansas hype? Cause that's something I know a lot of people have been on the AP poll about is like, Oh, why isn't Kansas ranked yet? When did you kind of start to think this Kansas team is real? And it is, I mean, it's kind of hard to take a team seriously when they've been so bad in the past as well as early on in the season. So, I mean, they had some nice wins, but it's like, how, how good is this team? We, we still didn't know as well. Yeah, I, I I was cautiously optimistic, I guess is the yeah. way that I would put it. I had I had Kansas ranked the week before they actually officially got in the rankings, and I had them somewhere I can't remember now, like 24, 25, yeah. somewhere around there. Um, to me, it's it's a, a wait and see, right? Like we've seen Kansas be so bad for so long that you know it's hard to be able to really understand what they're going to be. But I really like what they're doing there. Lance Leipold has done a really good job of really rejuvenating that program, really getting them to buy in. The fact that College Game Day is coming to Kansas is phenomenal. And I'm so excited for that because I think it's a great opportunity. It's one of those things where, you know, TCU jumps them, you know, in the rankings for what they did to Oklahoma. But, I, you know, this is going to be a good game. I, 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 I don't know if Kansas wins this. I think TCU is probably a better team with Sonny Dykes as an offensive genius. But uh, I really like what Kansas is doing. It's really giving the Big 12 a lot more credibility just with how deep it's been this year. Um, for me, it's been a lot of fun to be able to see. And, you know, I, I, I want to ride this Kansas bandwagon as long as I can to be able to see if a basketball powerhouse can go end up kind of being a football destroyer and, and kind of shake up things in college football. So for me, I think it's fun. I would absolutely love to see it as well. And, you know, for the line, this one, look, TCU is minus seven. I'm taking Kansas and just, I, look, I don't know if Kansas is going to win this one, but I, I just think seven's a lot. And I think Kansas at home, how big this game is, college game day, the atmosphere, everything. I at least think they're going to make this one close. So, so give me Kansas in the points, but how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think this is going to probably be close as well. Like I, I, I could see TCU absolutely um, winning all, on over seven points, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take Kansas mostly because of the points, but I still think TCU wins this in a close game, probably like three, four points. So I'll say TCU in terms of winning on the straight bet, but I will say on the, like, take Kansas on the spread. 
Mm -hmm. Next one, people. a lot of people are fired up about. We've had jersey reveals and everything flying around to get everyone fired up. Down in Vegas, you have BYU, Notre Dame. Line is Notre Dame three and a half. And look, maybe it's just because I don't love BYU, but I do like this Irish team. I feel like they're coming in this one hot. It's been a disappointing season so far. I feel like they, they're going to take it. And I won't be surprised at all if Coach Sataki and his team get it done. Jaron Hall, obviously phenomenal. And some of the injuries Notre Dame has dealt with as well. But I don't know. This just feels like the kind of game to me the Irish find a way to win. And this will be the first big win of the Coach Freeman's era. Yeah, this one, this one's a tough one for me because, you know, we've seen some flaws in BYU the last few weeks. You know, they haven't looked as good as, as maybe I even thought. I, you know, I was really high on BYU at the beginning of the season. Um, I think a lot were. No, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you know, I, I'm curious to see. They've, got a, they've had a bye week to be able to prepare for. You know, they had a really good game against Notre, uh, North Carolina the week before their bye game. To me, I feel like they've kind of hit their stride. They're, they're kind of getting into that. So for me, I think that Notre Dame wins this by the spread and straight up. You know, I think this is one of those games where uh, it's going to be really tough for for BYU to win. But once again, you know, I feel like I keep I can find ways on each side. I can see BYU winning this, but I, I just think we have to see more out of BYU. That's that's kind of been so difficult for them this year. And that's why I have more faith in Notre Dame right now. Yeah. So we'll both take Notre Dame to cover. And Josh put me on the spot. Who had the better jersey jersey video? I have to say BYU did. I mean, like, they're all cheesy, right? Yeah, I mean, like, for me, like, I, you look, they're, they're both kind of cheesy in a lot of respects. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the magic and kind of the fun of, of seeing Matt Franco rebuild the helmets and, and you know, both, both jerseys, I think, are really great. I think BYU's helmet outshines their actual jersey, True. Um, which I think is phenomenal. Um, but I, I do like what Notre Dame has in their jerseys as well. And I'm excited to see both those uniforms on, on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Look, I'm always a sucker for the movie that Notre Dame was referencing. So I'm going to roll with the Irish uh, on their video there. And I always like the Gullocks as well. But definitely both did an outstanding job and definitely the biggest combination of them. Oh, look, earlier in this show, we talked about it. Utah could potentially host game day next week. And in order for them to do that, not only do the youths have to take care of business, we'll talk about their game in a second. But of course, USC is going to have to take care of business. You get Washington State coming in, Washington State going to Los Angeles. And this is one where USC is favored by 13 and a half. I, just, I think the Trojans are going to win, but I'm not safe to say they're going to win by 13. I, I, I'm going to take Washington State to actually cover in this one. I think the Cougars are going to put out a strong effort, and I think USC has shown a couple flaws as well. And, yeah, I, I just really like this Washington State team. I think you look at they have the best win of the Pac-12 season for my money so far going into Camp Randall and winning. One of the reasons, unfortunately, Paul Christ has been fired. I think he's an outstanding coach and didn't deserve it, but part of the reason that happened was because Washington State went in there and got a win as well. And I don't think they're going to win this game, but I think they're going to keep it close. Yeah, Washington State is going to cover this game. I don't, I don't, their, their defense is better than most people give them credit for. for. Sure. They're disruptive. They cause a lot of fumbles, interceptions. Um, you, you're going to see, you know, USC's only had one turnover coming into this game. I, I can see, you know, a couple of those lining up. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington State can find a way to win. They kept yeah. it close with Oregon, um, but they're, they're definitely going to cover. Like, I, I have a hard time seeing Washington State be outmatched in this game, especially with kind of the the struggles that we've seen with USC. You know, they, they kind of allowed Arizona State to toy around with them a little longer than most would expect. So I really like this Washington State team. Uh, you know, this is another one of those tests for them. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be one of those games that, you know, they're going to cover, in my opinion, but there's a chance that they absolutely could upset USC as well. Yeah. And, you know, one of my biggest fears with this one, and as I mentioned, I think that I do think Washington State's going to cover as well. One of my biggest fears for Utah and game day next week is I remember back in 2019, 
it was Utah, and I believe it was Washington State was going to play at Utah the next week. And both those teams were it was going to be a top 20 matchup, the only one on the slate that week. So it looked like a slam dunk that Utah was going to host. Then Utah went in, got steamrolled by USC. And I believe Washington State lost in a quadruple overtime game to UCLA to take game day away. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully Utah is able to host game day. And just speaking of Utah hosting game day, the way they'd be able to do that is if they go into Pasadena and are able to get a win versus the 18th ranked Bruins. We've been talking about it all show. Line is Utah four and a half. And while I do think this UCLA offense, as I mentioned, is going to be able to put up some points, I do expect the Utes to win still. I just think offensively UCLA is not going to be able to stop Utah. Coach Winningham has had Coach Kelly's number for a while now, and I don't expect that to change here. I think DTR will press, and I don't think he's going to turn the ball over at a rate he has in some of the past games, but I think he has at least one interception in this one or just a fumble that ends up closing the door on any potential comeback. So I will take the Utes to cover in this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same. I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, fans are probably going to be sweating this out probably in the fourth quarter and, and hoping that Utah can pull it out. But I think they have the makeup to be able to do it. I don't think either team is necessarily going to be completely overmatched by the other team. Um, but I do see Utah probably winning closer to a touchdown. I know all the analytics and everything keep it kind of close. Um, but I see Utah finding a way to kind of get it done in the, in the end and covering that game. As, as do I. So those are our best big game bets of the week. Appreciate Josh Furlong for joining us as well on this one. And if you guys want to hear more Josh's great content, make sure you head over to KSL.com as well as Josh has a podcast going on right now. Solomon Enos comes on a ton for that. So make sure you guys head over and check that out and make sure you go follow Josh on Twitter as well. Appreciate you guys as always for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every day. But if you're in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you head over and check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. We're with Spencer McLaughlin and other local experts. We'll take you around the conference in under 30 minutes lots of fun game previews coming up on that one as well as other great news and reactions going on around the conference of champions thank you guys as well for continuing to subscribe and support our show and that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on utes but we'll see you tomorrow